0: Good morning, Idaho. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the Local Yokel Idaho podcast, where we talk about what is going on in the wonderful state of Idaho. This week, like any red-blooded Idahoan, we'll be talking about the crazy weather that's been sweeping across the state, then transition to talking about House Bill 384, the Library Restrict Bill, plus some in and out news and potato news to boot. So, stay with us as we go through the banter. Hey, glad to have you here today. Please join us for the morning banter where we chat with you a little bit before we get into it. But I understand if you're short on time and prefer to skip the banter, use the timestamp that is down in the description to jump straight over to the stories. For those that stayed with us, welcome back. I hope you all stayed safe and warm with all the crazy winter weather we've been having. Don't worry, we'll get into that later. Also, thank you so much for all the support you've given us on YouTube and Twitter this last week. We have actually officially, as we were looking at the numbers, beat our numbers for both, I think it's December and November combined for the amount of viewership and hours and stuff. So thank you very, very much there. Also for Twitter, um, the engagement from you guys has been awesome. And for anybody new that has subscribed or I don't know what you call it over there on Twitter, followed. Yeah, that's what they do. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the content that is to come for this next wonderful year. Also, part of that growth, I think, comes to the fact, and looking at our numbers there, is for the new shorts format that we've come out with on the Twitter and the YouTube and uh, over there on Rumble. Almost forgot them, but you don't want to forget Rumble. And all credit goes to John on that. He has worked on that diligently and come up with kind of a newer format than instead of just having our logo and a little bit of a transcript there. It actually has a little bit more an- animations and some GIFs and memes and stuff, which he is, he's very good at, which, speaking of which, he is co-hosting with me again this
1: week. I am here. Well, I, I know it's been super exciting to see, see what things are doing, and so to all of you listeners who are listening and watching, thank you very much. Uh, if you have suggestions or ideas, uh, shoot us an email or tweet us, Twix us, X us x us (laughs) it just doesn't work before we started the show me and john were
0: having a discussion about that is it x us is it tweets us or twex us or
1: (laughs) yeah i i don't know i don't know if there's any community consensus on what what you call that at this point but anyway if there are things that you'd like to see formats yeah different formats or anything like that if you have ideas let me know I, i i love i love ideas i i tell tyler all the time i'm not actually a creative person I just kind of take a template and and massage it. So if you have creative ideas, I would love them.
0: (laughs) There was a bit of a history joke that came into my brain, but I I couldn't tell it. (laughs) (laughs) if it would play well. I was like, hmm, well, okay, the first thing I thought is, okay, he's a really good German. And I was like, no, the Germans, they make their own things. They just over-engineer it. And I thought, well, maybe the Russians, they're known for copying things. I'm like, well, then that's the Soviet Union. I was like, okay, the Chinese. And they're like, no, that's another communist country. Think of some country that copies.
1: (laughs) Well, I I guess... (laughs) It kept falling apart. (laughs) I I guess my prototype is a communist (laughs) country then? Huh. (laughs)
0: You're like, okay, I'll roll with that. <laughs>
1: the The nice direction you could go is you could go and say, well, Sam Edison didn't actually invent the light bulb. Someone else did, and, and he just made it better. So I'm carrying on in the great tradition of our forefathers of not creating new things, just making it better.
0: Right. Anyway. <laughs> in any case, the morning banter here is going to be a little bit shorter just because a lot of the stuff that we or I would talk about in the band mixture of that as we're going through the discussion, interesting tidbits, because as we were sitting here to kind of prep for what we wanted to talk about and some of the stuff we wanted to share for the banter, if we do all that, well, then it's just kind of kind of spoil all the wonderful transitions and things as we get into it here later. One thing I did want to mention that I had some friends of mine that are over there in Ada County, and I've heard likewise for people here in Canyon and for Gem County, Is that there is a presidential caucus coming up, which basically means for the Republican Party to determine who the Republican nominee will be, if it's going to be Trump or DeSantis or Nikki Haley or whatever. They are needing volunteers to help with the polling locations for that. If you're interested in doing that or getting involved or helping, please, you can reach out to us on email or you can directly go over to the Idaho Republican Party. If you reach out to us, then I'll just make sure to forward your info over to and get you connected with the right person. If you reach out to the Idaho Republican Party. I have no doubt. They can also find you the right person to help you with that. But in any case, it was something I wanted to share because they're looking for some volunteers and help with that as we come into closer with it. And I think that's, when is it? March 22nd is when the Idaho Republican Presidential Caucus is happening. So there's still some time leading up to that, but they're obviously trying to get things figured out before that. With that said, wrapping up, and we'll move over to our first news story. As alluded to earlier, starting off with our first story here, Idaho in a freezer box. If you follow me over there on Twitter, you know the reference I'm giving. This comes by several sources. As we all have been experiencing, Idaho has had some wild winter weather this last week. From the Treasure Valley to eastern Idaho and up to the northern reaches, residents have been grappling with a mixture of conditions that have turned daily life into a bit of a guessing game. In the Treasure Valley, we're used to milder winters, often seeing rain instead of snow. But this past week, the script has been flipped. The region has been hit with heavy snow, leading to treacherous driving conditions and a reminder that winter can still pack a bit of a punch. The National Weather Service has reported snow falling at a rate of two inches per hour in some areas, challenging both commuters and city services alike. Eastern Iowa hasn't been spared either. A winter storm warning brought heavy snow with accumulations ranging from 6 to 13 inches in the valleys and up to 20 inches in higher elevations. Wind gusts reaching 40 miles an hour have reduced visibility and made traveling risky, prompting advisories to carry emergency supplies in vehicles. And then up north, the story is still similar. Winter weather advisories remain in effect, with mixed precipitation and snow accumulation adding to the seasonal challenges. Heavy snow has also been a boom, as many can guess, for ski resorts in the area, which have welcomed the long awaited snow. This unusual weather comes despite predictions of a milder, drier winter due to a strong El Nino. However, the weather has been anything but mild. With icy winter weather blanketing the U.S. and Arctic storms threatening to break low temperature records in the United States. Which, as I alluded to earlier, and I hope some people got a chuckle out of it, we wouldn't be true red-blooded Idahoans if we didn't talk about the weather. It has definitely been crazy. It has caused some interesting controversies, which we talked about last week, with schools and them either being open or closed. And it has also caused, I think... Definitely a lot of testing for those that this is their first time in big, snowy conditions.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. Maybe it's sad, <laughs> but it's funny to me. As someone who grew up in the north driving in snow, Um, it's, it's funny to see people that don't know what they're doing. So I was driving in the city, and if you're the person I'm talking about, then I'm sorry, but it was really <laughs> funny. There was someone at an intersection I saw. So we were at the red light, and they were turning left and they were stopped and they were putting chains on their suv in the middle of the road in the middle of the city when they were parking lots galore around them like I was it made me laugh and i was driving past and it was like oh i found the person from california target identified no. <laughs> no. oh my gosh it was hilarious i, I can't thing. say
0: it was for this season but I think it was either when Snowmageddon was here in Idaho or some other winter season when we had a lot of snow. And, of course, this I saw in Boise, but that I was sitting there at a light, right? But as I was sitting there, I see this person off to my right that's traveling, and they're coming to the intersection, and they have the green light, and they are they thought they're going to be fine, and then it turns red. But they're doing, I'm guessing they were doing 45, and uh, they... They slam oh on their brakes, gosh. but what ends up happening is they just skid through the entire intersection the other side and just keep going. It's like, hi, bye, <laughs> wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it that's just awesome! Stuck with me oh my gosh! Forever, where I'm just oh so peaceful person. Meow! Oh look, <laughs> Californian. <laughs> wow. Dude,
1: that's fun. oh my gosh, that's hilarious, dude. I, I love it. <laughs> I, I I, simply love it. I, I can't get enough of, of the way people drive in the snow. It's hilarious. It's got to be one of my favorite things in life. Some people love brown paper packages tied up with string. I love terrible drivers in the snow.
0: Which, speaking of terrible things to happen in the snow, did you have any issue getting out of your house with the snowy weather?
1: Yeah, for us so you know, we live relatively or we live in the city. Our neighborhood doesn't get plowed and then our driveway is is slanted down towards the road. Oh, no so fair. you know, all we had to do is shovel our driveway and then Gravity yeah, is, is in
0: your in, has your favor.
1: Uh, yes. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> all those leaves, all of the thing, all the sweeping
0: and cleaning the driveway. No, it's fine. It like I barely touch something and it goes down. Wee.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. So, you know, word to the wise, if you're if you're looking to buy a home, buy a home with a south facing driveway. Amen. That it's it's just the way to be.
0: Yes. I mean, it's for other reasons for me, but personally, if I ever get a house, I the front of the house cannot face north. I can't stand like, if I visit people, obviously, I'm not going to be like, I'm sorry, I can't come into your house now. It, it, it's north-facing. It's just inadequate, you see. <laughs> your, your house. I mean, it's, just, it's just not right.
1: Your house is facing <laughs> the wrong direction. It just isn't right. I, I just can't be here. I'm sorry. We'll
0: have to meet for another location for lunch. But no, it, it, visiting people's great or fine, but if I had to live somewhere, it's got to be south or east or west-facing so I can at least at least with the east or west, right, you get the morning or evening sun that comes in, right? Or if you're south-facing, you've got the sun all day if you understand the trajectory the sun's going, right? But if it's north-facing, well, then every time you come home to your house, it's always in the dark, and you can't ever put any nice plants on the north side of the house. They always have to be the shade plants, and so you can't have any flowers. But if it's on the west or east or south-facing, then you can put nice shrubs, and it looks beautiful, and it looks so welcoming, and look at the bright front door. North-facing, nah, not going to (laughs) happen.
1: Yep, south-facing is best for a plethora of reasons. Especially with the snow and ice. Yeah, I drive around our neighborhood, and I, again, I laugh at my neighbors who who have the displeasure of being in that situation.
0: I feel so sorry for you, old bean. I I just, I I had it right this time, you see. (laughs) But good luck for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know what it was with me and my british accent yeah, I, I don't know how don't much know. he's I'm... gonna get to the final cut of this but for anyone out there that does good to hear this i am on a british swing this evening i guess for my jokes uh,
1: well, apparently <laughs> we're we're british now
0: <laughs> the brits are invading idaho the british are coming the british are coming. <laughs> oh
1: gosh uh, that's hilarious but in dude. any
0: case i hope you're all staying warm but All in all, I'm very happy that we have the snow, and hopefully you're all taking advantage of it and going uh, skiing and snowboarding for all the people out there that I know that love it. One of these days, I will have to do it. That will be a fun video to make for the channel for sure, but we'll move on to our next story here. The Idaho legislature revisits bill restricting minors' access to harmful material. This comes by several sources. In a move that is bringing old wounds back to light in the Idaho State House, a bill restricting minors' access to materials deemed harmful has been reintroduced. House Bill 384, also known as the Children's School and Library Protection Act, is a revised version of last year's vetoed bill with some tweaks. It aims to restrict access to materials deemed harmful to minors in public and school libraries. This includes content that depicts nudity, sexual conduct, or sadomasochistic abuse. The bill would allow parents and guardians to sue libraries if such materials are made available to minors, with potential fines of $250 per violation. The bill has sparked a heated debate, Proponents argue it is necessary to protect children from inappropriate content, while opponents see it as a veiled attempt at censorship and an unnecessary financial burden on libraries. During a nearly two-hour public hearing, librarians and educators voiced concerns about the bill's vague language and practical challenges of implementation, such as the need for renovations and additional staff to monitor adult-only sections. As the bill moves to the House floor for a vote, as of recording this, it is clear that Idahoans are left weighing the implications of this legislation will it serve as a protective measure for minors or will it infringe upon the freedom of information and lead to a slippery slope of censorship which me and you listener have talked about this in the past granted it's being reintroduced with a couple changes so going through kind of some of the changes on it there isn't a ton As I said, one of the things that has changed, though, is they've added the definition of schools. Now, you might say, why need that definition? I know last year when I was hearing the discussion, there were people that were raising some concerns that it wasn't being clear about what libraries or stuff would be affected. And it was like, oh, no, it's going to be private. It's going to be all the places that have books and you're going to have these sections everywhere and blah, 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 a bunch of fear mongering. And so they've, cha- they've added a section, point uh, eleven of section one of the bill, meaning, quoting here, schools, meaning any public or private school providing instruction for students in kindergarten through grade 12. So that clarification is in there. One of the things they did remove, and I heard this was another contention on it getting passed and stuff because people were arguing this was too vague, that there was a definition here of, you know, different sexual material and stuff. And they removed according to prevailing standards in the adult community with respect to being with substance for minors. That has been removed, I guess, for a little bit more of clarification's sake. And then they changed the, the level of the fine has changed, which last year Governor Little vetoed it partly on that position that he said it would cause a bounty system for the libraries where people would be going to look for violations or test them for violations and didn't want that to be encouraged. So originally I think it was like a thousand dollars per infraction, but now it's been moved down
1: to like 250, yeah, 250 per violation. That makes sense. Uh, So here's, here's the thing that I've, that I've seen with anybody who, who argues the other side of materials in school libraries, because, your main talking points that you run across are this. Well, banning books is bad. And then from there, you go on to talk about books like Gone with the Wind or, you know, Tom Sawyer.
0: Things that may, they're educational, but they have some possibly risque scenes.
1: Sure. Risque or language or depictions of slavery or, you know, something. And and so that's the main talking point is like, wow, they're getting rid of those books. It's so bad. And But then if you actually talk to these people and you bring up the books that are actually in our school libraries and you're saying, look, these are the books we're trying to get rid of. Most intelligent human beings are going to look at that and be like, well, yeah, that shouldn't be in the library. Why is that in there? It's like, I know that's the problem. That's what we're trying to solve here. And so I I think when it comes to people supporting or not supporting this bill, I think it's more a a public perception thing.
0: And You know, kind of springboarding off what you're saying there, which is very true, but really, if you read this bill, I really do ask you, if you're against it or you're for it, really please do read it so you are educated on what you're talking about, especially if you're going to be arguing about it. Uh, This bill goes to great lengths to define a lot of elements that it's not going to spear into, oh, well, then kids can't have educational books to learn about human anatomy. No, 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 no. This bill isn't going to hit that. I mean, just going through this, um, it goes through a whole list of definitions. If we're going through this, it defines what a minor is nudity. It also goes through and says one of those things is also sexual conduct. I need not explain what those are, but it goes into great detail of talking about what that is. It, 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 It doesn't sit here and say, oh, yes, anytime that someone is in any form naked or we refer to the human form, it must be in a secured section. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about things that adults do. A lot of the material that this is aimed at trying to get of is really sexually explicit content that shouldn't be in our public libraries.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I appreciate that that this bill is as specific as it is, and that they've they've defined things the way they have because yeah, if if we're gonna be vague about these things and and this could apply to all libraries everywhere, I, sure. I could see that being a problem. Now, do I think some of these materials even should belong in libraries anyway? No, I, I really don't. Um, but I can I can understand there wanting to be a distinction. This this bill is specifically for schools and public. Great. Let's specify it. Yes. For our for our public. Which they're taking schools. tax dollars, which Great.
0: then the voters should have a say in what is there or not in a democratic system.
1: Right? Which, that brings me back to a point I've I've argued for, is whenever the government offers you money, you have to understand that the government has strings attached to this money. These are strings that the government is attaching to their money. They're providing money to the public schools. The public schools are now beholden to the government for what the government has to say about it. So here you go strings on public schools right
0: i mean and also i would say one of the strongest arguments because we've gone after the more weaker one one of the stronger ones that's given and i think us as conservatives for me anyways do struggle to answer to it is saying people will sit there and say well you're trying to censor that's censorship They, they burn books in nazi germany right which if we're going with the definition of censorship i have it here on hand just for the sake It is the practice of suppressing or restricting speech, public communication, or other information on the basis that such material is considered objectionable, harmful, sensitive, or, quote, inconvenient, end quote. Which, that's true. There are certain times that you can censor unjustly, that you can take certain people in the sense of free speech, that you have the right to, in a sense, express your ideas if they don't pose an immediate threat to someone, right? But on the flip side, I would like to make the argument, and I think it's something its a no-no place in conservatism sometimes, that there's also such a thing as good censorship. That if there are things in a sense that aren't prudent, that aren't good, right, the, these are things that we have a vested interest in a way to, I would say, keep away from society, just like a drug. That If, if there's a drug that has a 90% addiction rate, right – And out of that 90% of people, you know, obviously 90% of them aren't going to get off that drug. And then you say from that percentage over the course of time, 80% of them are going to die from it. Should we ban the drug? Should we censor the drug? Well, yeah, we should. Ideas can be that way too, that they can destroy families and it's not good. Now, I could totally see the argument if this was for... Banning it from adults as well, which we could go into that later, but I really want to focus on the fact of why, in this specific case, it's a good thing, because children, what, what do parents do? Parents are supposed to shield and nurture their children to eventually become adults. Part of that is that parents censor all the time, <laughs> and that's a good thing. You're not being a good yep. parent if you don't censor the content and the speech and things your children do, because they don't know better their children. This bill is specifically talking about children and the access for minors. And so I, I really think the censorship yeah. argument falls apart really badly at that point when you're getting into that point for minors.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree.
0: And also, I, I, I don't want to toot my heart. You can go look at this, but I had a conversation on Twitter with a gentleman about pornography this last week. And in that discussion, we were kind of going back and forth about, well, you know, where, where in the United States does the United States have the authority, right, to try to legislate on what is right or wrong, right? And one of the final discussions is we got, because obviously as a Christian, I believe that um, all authority comes from God. If you want to go look that up, I think that's Romans 13 where it starts talking about that. And so be it our country, be it the U.S. Constitution, it's all subservient, To that thing. And he eventually asked me, Well, okay, cool. You said all those points, but what does the US Constitution say? And the very first part, it says, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and promote the general welfare. And secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And the point I gave is if we allow pornography to be seen by children, does that promote domestic tranquility? Does that provide a common defense for the weak, which is children and women? Does that promote general welfare? And does that secure a blessing of liberty for ourselves and for our future generation? That's what it's talking about by posterity. I would say no. And so we should have every right by, at a state no. level, at a personal level, and at a national level to censor things like this for children.
1: Yeah, I, I, read, I read that exchange with you, be, between you two, and I, I agree wholeheartedly.
0: Anywho, pornography, be it written or in, on the internet, is bad. And I think this is a good bill, but if you disagree please reach out to us. Now, on a little bit of a lighter note, and something that you can definitely take the kids to, In-N-Out Expansion, new location proposed in Meridian. This comes by the Boise Dev by Autumn Robertson's. Meridian could soon be home to a second of four In-N-Out locations. Since its opening in December, the California-based fast food chain at the Village in Meridian has had a very steady line of customers, even a month after it opened. To keep up with the crazy demand, it seems a second location near the corner of 10-mile road in Shinden could be in the works. Preliminary plans reveal a 3,860 square foot in and out on a vacant parcel near Costco. With a future address listed as 5985 North 10-mile road, the site plan includes 84 indoor seats, 34 outdoor seats, and ample space for drive through lines and parking. These plans are still in the early stages and require approval from the city of Meridian before moving forward. A hearing date has not been set for it either. All that to say, and for those who are just hearing about this for the first time, In-N-Out, in addition to its Meridian locations, has plans for a restaurant in Boise at the site of the vacant Pier 1 import store at the Boise Townscript Mall, and another in Nampa at 16225 North Marketplace Boulevard. Construction for those locations has not started yet, though. But as we can all guess, In-N-Out has been very popular, it's still super busy. I was actually out today, and I drove by the In-N-Out over by the village. And yeah, it was still a very, very long line. I actually drove past, and I thought, whew, I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks. Maybe on my after I get done with the drone job, I'll drop by and actually try some In-N-Out and do that because I have my, all my camera gear, and I can shoot some stuff for the Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And I drove. I was like, nope, nope. The Idaho spirit is just too strong within me. I, no, no, that line is too long. I'm just going to wait longer for people to not be at the In-N-Out line.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there, man. I will get there at some point, and I don't know, I might enjoy it. My my brothers swear by it, too. They they like In-N-Out, and I I don't know. I've never had it. And at this point, you know, it might, it might, it might be. be a little bit before I have In-N-Out. <laughs> yeah, I... One thing I
0: did admit, and someone brought up to me, I didn't have a good answer, so I did a little bit of preliminary research, and I wanted to kind of talk with John with this on the show about it, is the question, why Idaho? In-N-Out is a super popular brand. There's a lot of places they could build more uh-huh. stores, but why the Treasure Valley? I heard some people say they've got to have an in. You know, like there was somebody that's like a friend of the family that owns In-N-Out that's like... Got to be here in the Valley. I heard some discussion about that. And so I was really curious. And so I went out and did some of my own, I guess, theorizing. I might be wrong on this, but, you know, some fun discussion. And so what I did, John, is I went and searched the top 10 states that Californians have moved to in the last, I think I did, like 2019 Uh to 2023. And so I pulled that list, top 10 Obviously, the number one is like Texas, because you have a lot of work there. The climate's similar, but it's conservative, economy, blah, 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 blah. A couple ones below that. I think Arizona was in that list. I think Nevada was there. Florida was there. But anyway, I went and looked that up. I found that list. And then from that list, I looked at which one of those states had in and out locations. I know you can't blame Californians for everything, but maybe we can with it. I don't know. But out of those, when I went and searched it, five of them had in-and-outs, with Idaho being number six on that list. The states that didn't have in-and-out was Florida, Washington, Minnesota, and New Hampshire. Now, I, I did also try to cross-check for the fact of like maybe some of these other states I don't know, are, that have already got the other five had locations just recently, and so this isn't like a big change or something but the most recent new in-and-out location they put in one of these states was in 2020. I want to say that's Colorado. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head. But the interesting discussion element I was trying to think about and mull over was why did Idaho get picked over Florida, Washington, Minnesota, and New Hampshire? And the best thing I can think is that Florida – is like too far from kind of In-N-Out's main operations because you notice In-N-Out doesn't like to travel too far from its uh-huh. home. Washington, I'm not sure there again if it's why. I'm, I'm guessing maybe some population things or it just might be the fact that like, is it Portland or Seattle or is it both that had a bunch of stores pulling out of there because of like looting and theft and stuff?
1: It, it's it's both.
0: So maybe that was another side of it. The in and out was just like, we're not going to sign ourselves up for that. Cause they're very cautious. I will admit that from everything I read, they're cautious and very careful of where they put places, uh-huh. Minnesota, obviously much farther, New Hampshire, much farther. Um, and so my guess is both a distance thing. And then also just the sheer amount of Californians that have come to Idaho, which I would argue you can't put everyone in one group with one title. but I would say probably a 90 (laughs) to 80% conversion rate if you're like sitting there and you're saying, okay, you're from Idaho. You must be a Broncos fan or you must be a Vandals fan or something, right? It's almost like that for Californians in In In-N-Out that I talk to a person from California. be like, do you like In-N-Out? And they're like, I love it. But then someone outside of California is like, eh, they're pretty good.
1: (laughs) It's it's all right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can I can I could follow that logic. I mean, obviously if if someone likes your stuff, you want to put it there so they so they buy your stuff. Like that just that's marketing 101. And with food, you you can't ship food like that. I mean, you can ship food, but you're not going to ship fast no. food. So it it makes sense. I I like I I like your your line of reasoning. <laughs> Makes sense.
0: Okay, it's, it's like that scene I, out of I like just, Cusco, I just it's like don't a Cusco get it, meme or something. <laughs> you see, if we find the Californians, then we go.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I don't have the voice down, and I can't yeah, do the thought process fast yep, enough. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, I really hope someone out there makes that meme. If you do, I will yeah. post it on the Twitter, and I will give you full credit for it, because <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, <laughs> uh, But yes, yes. It, it seems yep, that they're trying yep. to meet the demand, another location. <laughs> I'm not too much looking forward to the one that's coming near the Kartra exit, because that's kind of the exit I get on and off of, and I don't know how busy that's going to be, but hopefully the one in Boise opens first, because I, I have a feeling a lot of Californians that live in Boise are probably going to the one in Meridian, that's causing the busyness, so I'm hoping they open the Boise one before they open the Meridian one up by the Costco but in any case,
1: exactly. we'll move
0: on to our next story.
1: Moving on to our next story, we have LGBTQ students sue University of Idaho over alleged discrimination. This comes from the Boise Dev by Sidney Kidd. Up in the frozen north of Idaho, a third lawsuit has been filed against the University of Idaho's College of Law. Three law students claim university staff have engaged in a pattern of discrimination. This includes professors telling LGBT students they will go to hell, giving the contact information of LGBT students to anti-LGBT groups, and professors ignoring students making racist comments. The students claim the university responded weakly to these incidents, making them feel unsafe. The plaintiffs also claim they received harassment from a group of students involved in the school's Christian Legal Society chapter, which filed a free speech lawsuit in 2022 against UI. The federal lawsuit claims CLS is opposed to same-sex marriage, LGBTQ relationships, and it is said that its members believe religious organizations should be allowed to discriminate against individuals based on sexual orientation and gender identity. The lawsuit asserts that the university did not adequately respond to the harassment perpetuating the problem. The students reported incidents to various deans and the Office of Civil Rights and Investigations. The law school's dean, Johanna Kolb, to whom students say they repeatedly reported issues without much response, is stepping down from her UI role at the end of the spring semester. One of the plaintiffs has since transferred out of UI's College of Law, the other two did not transfer due to the prospect of losing class credits. They opted instead to attend school on an entirely remote basis. One also graduated from the school in December 2023. According to the article, both of them have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which I don't even know what to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll do our fairest here. Okay, you got everyone's got to have their day in court. We kind of broke it down here into three parts of the accusations and stuff. But the first part of the accusations that they're giving that we kind of broke down here is one of the students issue is that she raised her hand to bring up a comment, but she wasn't called on. I'm quoting the article. I, I am not, unless the article's wrong, which you can talk to Boise dev. That is one of the th- basis that the plaintiffs are arguing as a form of discrimination that the professor did not choose them when they rose their hand.
1: How dare he?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're serious. Serious, yes. Very serious.
1: Yeah, this is a very serious problem. Gosh.
0: And the question I would pose to that is, what do you... If it was so necessary, I would say walk up to the professor. It'd be a different thing if you told me, well, I raised my hand in class. He didn't pick me. Okay, fine. I went up to the professor and told him, and then he told me to shut up about it. I'm like, well, okay then. Uh, now you've got my attention a little bit more. You don't have it. I mean, you have it to a certain degree, but eh. the second kind of accusation that they're giving is a racial incident centered around ignorant or off-colored remarks made by students Key element there. And not the university. So, alleging that there was certain racist things going on or whatever, and that it was off-color comment or gossip that was racist-based. I don't know. Also, this was done by students, so I don't know why they're suing the university for gossip that students had, which is kind of like private and free speech type of thing. So, I would say they should have more gone after the certain students that were gossiping and not... The university would be my kind of shtick on that. Am I, am I far? Am I am I really crazy, John?
1: No, I, I I think I think you're I think you're on the the right track. <laughs> I mean, truly, the 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 response I want to give is just dismissing nonsense, and that's what this feels like. It feels like people who who are looking for reasons that they can be mad. That's what it feels like now.
0: Or I'm a victim.
1: R- right. It's it, it it seems like it feels like to me victimhood mentality at its best or worst, depending on how you want to call it. Trying to be charitable. So for the first part, the, the first one, the first issue that was brought up is she she was raising her hand and wasn't being called upon. If this was like a continual thing... And when she brought it up with the professor, the professor said, yeah, I don't call upon you because you're black and I don't like you because you're black. Well, okay, maybe that's an issue. If it was like a one time thing, what are we doing here? If it was like there were 30 people that were raising their hands and and she was one of the 29 that didn't get called upon. okay, cool. Like this. That that's not a reason. So even being the most charitable possible and being like, well, he asked a question. Maybe she was the only person that raised her hand. And He was like, well, since no one wants to talk about this, we'll move on. And she's like, oh, I'm so offended. Like maybe she went to talk to him. And then the professor's like, yeah, I don't call upon you because you're you're a black LGBTQ, whatever. Okay, I could see the university should step in to to adjudicate that issue because that, sure, that sounds like an issue and it should be dealt with. I have a hard time believing that's what this is, but you know, okay, if that's an issue, then that's an issue and, and it should be dealt with. I don't know what the punishment would be. Probably
0: yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. We have in our notes here, what would the university even do? With the hand raising, I don't think you can do any punishment because e- either you sit there and tell the professor you always have to accept her when she raises her hand, which then that's not good. And then I, 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 there's no solution for that. The second part I could see where the the you could the, the university could give some reprimands or things. I don't know.
1: It would have to be centered around the professor because the professor was breaking school policy with this student and if the professor is breaking school policy okay i can see grounds for there being issues if the school has a policy about i don't know fairly treating people when you ask questions and they raise their hand then great if you broke a policy you broke a policy you, you, That that's understandable so i guess that's that's where i fall on this first issue
0: i mean i i think that's fair sense you know you're, you're kind of diverting over and saying well you know School policy, if the school is committed, right, it's come into a commitment, a promise with the student of this is the way we're going to treat the people who are academically here. I think that's also fair. But I guess on the third point, which is the one I think that has the most grounds, the plaintiffs claim that a student physically attacked them at a party for being gay. The school issued a non-contact order between the parties but kept them in the same class. This is the only one I could see some grounds for the lawsuit in.
1: If this is an event that actually happened, then then yes, it would hold it would hold sway. The problem that I see with this is potentially that or or maybe the reason they only went as far as they did is because they don't have enough information to do anything else. Cuz cuz again, in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. And so if 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 no evidence has come forward to say, look, this is a thing that really happened. Here's the cell phone video. Here are three other people who are corroborating the story. Then then what are we doing? Like, there's only but so far you can go when you're just going on the word of piercing. one person saying a bad thing happened. How many, how many incidents have happened within the last 10 years following the Me Too movement where things have been blown wildly out of proportion and innocent people have been hurt in in disproportionate and unfathomable ways because someone lied about them right you have the gosh just going off the top of my head you have the Duke Lacrosse team and you have mattress girl both of those things it, where people presumed guilt where there was none and people's lives were ruined and so looking at this, Sure. Maybe someone physically attacked them at a party for being gay. Then again, maybe the gay guy was coming on to the other one and was told to stop and didn't. And so he got punched in the face like, I, I I don't I don't know. At that point, you could say, yeah, he tried to kiss me. So I punched him. Therefore, the gay guy's like, well, he punched me because I'm gay. No, he punched you because you tried to kiss him. And he said, please don't kiss me. And then you kissed him anyway. So you got punched. I, so okay, so what actually happened? But that's the game that gets played here. Is oh, I was attacked. See, I got punched, and here's the video of it. Here's the little snip of this guy punching me, and and I, so again, I don't know the details. Right, and so uh, again, like what do, what do you expect the the university to do if you don't have any standing? Which is why this needs to be adjudicated. Right,
0: and. Also, I I would say a key element in that is that the lawsuit is aimed at the university, not the individual that you said assaulted you. There's a big problem there. Why are you going after the university rather than the individual you said assaulted? I see a discrepancy with where you're putting the blame. You're going to blame the institution for a guy at a party not on university grounds hitting you?
1: Well— I realize we might be dancing around this, but who has more money?
0: That is also a consideration in America that must be done with the utmost delicateness.
1: Well, if you're going to sue someone, probably you want money out of them. If you're suing a poor college student, what money can you possibly get out of him? But if you sue the school, there's a lot more money.
0: Granted, I don't think he's going to get any... They, I guess. And another point on this I didn't have in here, (laughs) but that they said originally they didn't press charges or this lawsuit or whatever, right? Because they were fearful that they wouldn't be able to transfer their credits because the school would be unfair or discriminate against them because of the past actions or whatever else or different things that happen with colleges, right? Which I would say the, the least likely place to discriminate in America and is most likely to actually be preferential to your cause as a gay person or LGBTQ is the university. It's like you you even have a better time for them treating you well Uh than even the state. The only better one would be if you lived in Washington DC, then yes, yes. I think you'll be safer with the state on that one. Trying to be buddies with them as a gay person.
1: Yeah. This story screams to me that it's, who's people whose feelings got hurt and now they want the law to come after the, the people that hurt them
0: yes but in any case i hope the courts justly and rightly divide the law and apply it and that everyone gets their day in court both the university and those involved at the end of the day here at local yokel we want justice to happen if they truly you know someone assaulted them on that grounds that's that's unacceptable that shouldn't happen any case, we'll move on to our next story. That's a little bit of a lighter note, and keeping with uh, Idaho's roots. Next one is build a spud. See what I did there with roots? We're getting to spuds. I know spuds, roots, tubers. There's different things. Anywho, I just <laughs> t- I tried. Okay. I tried. Clever. See, I was as clever Clever. as an Idahoan can be sometimes, okay? We try. We really try. Hey. To Build a Spud, a new way to enjoy Idaho's favorite vegetables. This comes by The Boise Dev by Gretchen Parsons. A new eatery dedicated to Idaho's favorite starch vegetable has opened its doors in the Boise Town Square Mall. The restaurant, aptly named Build a Spud, is located in the food court between Lucky Chef and El Cazo and began serving customers in December. As the name suggests, Build a Spud allows folks to customize their own baked potato. You start by picking a protein, chicken, ground beef, steak, or pulled pork. I hope it's smoked. That would be delicious. Then you can add a sauce, garlic, butter, barbecue, buffalo, or ranch. And then you can cheese it up with some shredded or nacho cheese and top it off with some jalapenos, bacon bits, and more. But for those who prefer a little bit of a pre built option, the menu also has options like a taco. Tata and A Chili Tata. Great job on the names. Me and John did have to figure out how to pronounce them there, but they are Definitely unique, along with a few soups, salads, and french fries. Build a Spud is a counter service restaurant offering a quick dining option for shoppers. It is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and until 8 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. This new addition to the food court is a testament to Idaho's love for potatoes, which we most definitely have, and a creative way to celebrate our state's favorite vegetable. So next time you're in the Boise Town Square Mall, you might want to check it out. Which, this definitely sounds interesting. I know I, there's a lot of different ways people like to do it. I know some people, like I met one guy that he'd do a baked potato and he'd like cut it open, but you can't cut it all the way. He's like, you got to cut it half so you can split it open, but it won't separate. And then he'd like stuff it in there with like, Uh what all was it? He'd like put lettuce and then he'd put a little bit of cilantro and then he would put cheese and then there would be bacon. And then sour cream. And then he'd almost like close it up and then act like he wanted to like shake it or something. Cause he would already like pre mush it, like it would mix or something. I was like, No, you're not he's like, No, it's very, very important. <laughs> and he loved the daylights out of that thing. <laughs> I personally am just like, Nope, I'm gonna cut it into sections. I'm gonna salt it. Maybe I'll put some butter. If you got some bacon bits, bring it on over. Obviously with the meat stuff here, I might actually have to try that, but that's good for me.
1: Yeah. I, I mean I'm always down for a good baked potato.
0: Man. They got you could put broccoli on your baked potato, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? If you wanted to scare all the children away, you can do that, okay? Broccoli. Go for it.
1: Well, I have to say that if you're if you have children and they don't like broccoli, then that's a you problem because my children love broccoli. I can only,
0: I only like it steamed.
1: And it's awesome.
0: Like if you have it raw, I'll eat it, but it's not great. Like okay, cool, I'm eating it. Like you know, fine. But I I love
1: it steamed. Yeah, steamed broccoli,
0: yeah. steamed cauliflower. I will say I like steamed cauliflower yep. more than broccoli. It just kind of depends on the day, but steamed. Oh, so
1: good. Yeah, broccoli is wildly good for you. It has it it has a decent amount of protein, a de- a, a decent amount of vitamin C. Like it's a it's a better source of vitamin C than a lot of citrus fruits. So. You know, when you're sick, eat some right. broccoli. Yeah. It's great. It's got vitamin Z or vitamin B, magnesium. Scientists,
0: we have added Z to the vitamin scale now. Okay? We've got Yeah, vitamin. We got vitamin, vitamin Z. Z. And no, it's not the zombie vitamin, okay? Don't go there. Or if
1: or if you're from Canada, that would be vitamin <laughs> Z. But we don't we don't Also
0: improve. I went on the Google Maps and I found <laughs> the menu for it, coming back to the starchy delicious thing that's super healthy for you. Wink wink. And the taco tata we talked about up in the script, here's what it has in it. It's got ground beef with nacho or cheddar cheese, onions, tomatoes, and lettuce topped with sour cream.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds that sounds pretty fantastic. This sounds like a, a restaurant I would enjoy going to. So next time I am... Let's see, where was this? It, it's in our mall. Well, the next time I go to the mall, which is... Never. I guess I go to... I go... I go give blood there every once in a while. So, you know, next time I'm feeling generous and give blood, I can do that.
0: <laughs> but in any case, yep. uh, that's all the discussion we have for our last story here. Wanted to save that last one for our fun one, as we usually do here on the show. Have to let us know if you go and try it. Let us know if you really enjoyed it or not, or the food there, so we can either steer clear or make our way over there. And we'll uh, close out the show here. Thank you for listening to the entire podcast. I sincerely hope you found it enjoyable and valuable. If we missed any important points or provided incorrect information, please feel free to reach out to us via email at Idaho 2022 at gmail.com or on Twitter by tweeting me at Local at Home. With the small team we have here, we're not able to cover everything, but we do our best to cover the most important and interesting stories. Thank you for your continued support and assistance. That's all for now, and I wish you a fantastic rest of your week.
1: Godspeed.